once again, this is Nuance, and we have a host of topics to get to, including the federal death penalty, which is on the table in a New York case. So we'll talk about that in a few as well. Some other things, I want to introduce our co-host, Jay Carter, also known as Timid, hip-hop artist and the chair of BLM Tokyo. What's going on, Jay? Oh, not much. Well, not much this morning yet. <laughs> Haven't gotten to it completely yet, but uh, kind of formulating plans for the day in my head. Okay. Of course, it is morning there in Tokyo. Evening. Not in Tokyo. Well, I'm not well, in Tokyo. You know, it's because I say BLM Tokyo, and so... <laughs> think of tokyo yes. but japan nonetheless japan, yes it is morning time over there evening here in new york and on the east coast of the u.s so it's been a day for me and actually a week you know it's always tuesday um thinking of what needs to get done this week it's kind of a busy week not overly busy but i do have a hearing this week to prepare for and i got some events and things going on some work stuff happening and i'm looking forward to getting to the other side of the week it is my birthday weekend actually so that's pretty cool but i'm not even thinking right. about my birthday now because i'm thinking about what needs to get done this week right there is mm. some music stuff i'm trying to finish the mixes of these songs and it isn't a whole lot of work that needs to get done but i can't focus on that now because i've got this other stuff and that's something that makes it hard to juggle different things it isn't always about the time needed on each one it's about being in that space mentally if that makes sense if i'm thinking about these yeah. pieces that i'm working on i have a hard time devoting any energy into a creative endeavor outside of that and so for the music i'm thinking man i wish i had a whole week devoted to just that even if it's not going to take the whole week i don't want to be yeah. distracted with other things you know what i mean if i have a hearing to do and i have to put a witness on a stand this week i'm thinking about that i'm thinking about my questions my examination the cross-examination right even if it's not occupying all my time it's my mental energy that it's taking up absolutely absolutely and you know sometimes i i mean i do music as i mean it's a creative outlet right and sometimes do you ever feel a little guilty about doing it if you've got other things that you could be doing like no. sometimes you do it because you need to i mean you enjoy doing it of course right. but sometimes to like get just get out of a out of that headspace and there's something else and into something creative but when you do that, you think, ah, oh, I should have been doing this other thing instead and feel a little guilty for it. That doesn't happen to me. In fact, if anything, it's the opposite. Sometimes I feel guilty for not devoting enough time to the music and to the creative endeavors and taking the other work too seriously. But as we've discussed before, I consider all of this work. And right. it's just funny because, you know, I happen to enjoy the things that I do, but that doesn't mean that I don't consider it work. I consider getting this album done my work, just as right. I consider these cases my work. And I consider it all part of building that brand, right? I think it all helps me in the marketplace, as we've discussed. So I don't think of it in my mind as, well, this is my job, this is a hobby. No, to me, it's all part of my professional endeavors, and I just need to make time for it but again it isn't only a matter of the time it's a matter of occupying that space it's weird it's like if i'm in a music mode i need right. to be in that music mode i, I can't yeah. really be in both too much right mm -hmm. if i have a lot of mental energy i need to put into finishing these mixes for example then that's where my head needs to be and if i'm thinking about cases it's going to take me out of that space right, right. so it's not a matter of looking at the day and thinking, well, it's 24 hours in a day. Let's say I sleep for eight. Okay, you do the math on that. You have this number of hours left and I can do this many hours for music, this many hours for law. It's Yeah, you could do it that way time-wise, but it's hard for me to switch back and forth from one mode to the other. So I like to just block out maybe an entire week if possible to, <laughs> for one or the other. But then mm -hmm. you start to feel guilty if, let's say you promised yourself you would finish this music project. Maybe you're on an actual deadline because you're working with other people, right? and then something else comes up with the other business that takes you out of that that's when you start to feel guilty mm, 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 mm. yeah so I, I guess it could it could work the other way as well but it tends not to for me because my cases do tend to take priority because they are on more rigid deadlines 
right? right. If I have a hearing coming up next week or this week, I know that's where my focus needs to be now. The music, right. as much as it is unfortunate, could get pushed back another week, but the case might not be able to, right? Right, right. <laughs> Imagine like calling up and being like, um, trying to push push back the case with the judge like yeah i've got to finish these mixes uh can we can we do this like uh, the following week yeah yeah well you know what that's funny and i wouldn't say something exactly like that but <laughs> it isn't too far off from what happens because i've noticed this a lot now practicing for what 10 years when you show up to court or any kind of hearing any kind of proceeding oftentimes it gets adjourned or maybe you'll do part of it but then it gets adjourned for the, you know the, the next part of it at another, another date and so the judge or the hearing officer or whoever will be pulling up their calendar and say okay counsel turn into the attorneys what days do you have free when are you available and right. sometimes they'll even say you know the other turn i've never really said this i've been more vague i guess but other attorneys have said you know your honor i'm going on vacation with my family next month can we can, can we push it off or right. whatever they'll just they'll stop out they're just they'll be busy and sometimes they'll say what it is and yeah it, it could be a recreational thing right so right, right. sound kind of funny for me to say well i can't because i'm working on my album but how <laughs> different is that really from saying i'm going to disney world with my kids you know what i mean it's just right it's just, so they're, they're, they're busy i mean but you really don't need to give a reason for that right right you say i'm not available and it could be anything right they, they'll respect your time and you pick a day that you are available you know, but once it's on the calendar, then at least me, I try to respect that. I don't say to myself, well, I've got this hearing coming up next week, but I want to do music or I want to go to Disney World. And so when I get to it, I'm going to ask for the adjournment. I don't think that's a professional way to operate. Right. But right. if the day comes up and then you have something else on the calendar already, it's fine to tell them, listen, I'm not available until this date. Right. But this is, it, it would be kind of funny to hear, though, like, uh, yeah. Sorry, you're not available. I'm working on my album in the final mixes. Sorry, I can't do it. Yeah, but you know what? That could be viable. Let's say, for example, as I've done this year, you go out of town. I've done that. And maybe it's not even to do a show. Maybe it's going out of town to work with one of our friends in a music business, right? Someone else who doesn't right. music. I'm going to Maryland for a week. All right. Right. Look at my calendar. I won't be in New York for that week. That is, yeah. that's perfectly valid, right? Right, right. You know, speaking of music, this week, I've actually been doing something not as far as making um, any new music, but there is a, a, a international music showcase coming up in Tokyo in April. And um, I was asked to be on the uh, the listening committee for this for mm -hmm. artists that have submitted to this showcase to they want to come and, and perform. And so I've been listening to um the usa submissions and then um the asia submissions you did just um, say tokyo right so we're not yes. no 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 it, the the, okay. the events in tokyo right yeah, yeah so it's it's funny being on on this side like i've been on music panels before but being on the the listening session of, to say okay well these are the ones that i rank uh one two three four that i think should go in the showcase should should go on there it's it's interesting being on that side of it versus being on the performer side because um, I'm listening to these people's submissions and I'm like all right yeah this is good uh the live performance is is uh ah, he's rapping over his vocals yeah I'm not with that uh, you right. know right it's kind of so fun do you think that's a different perspective that you have that the other judges or whomever might not well I don't know who the other people on the committee are but I think as a you know as being a, a performer myself yeah I, i'm going to be listening with that in mind like especially like the the rapping over the vocals thing um and i know a lot of people do it these days but yeah for me that's a big no-no right? right so like you know, even though right, right like, even though being almost generational, had, right maybe even a younger judge who performs as well might not think that that's a bad thing because they might do right. it themselves. right and like even though like like this artist had he had good bars songs were good and if he wasn't rapping over his vocals i I probably would have put him as my number one pick but because he did like I moved him down to like the third place um because like you're not performing at this point right you're just kind of not even karaoke at this point because even then you're not doing it over vocals <laughs> so yeah uh, you know and then i then there were cases where some like their recorded music just sounded excellent but their live performance 
the voice just wasn't as good. Like you could see that there was some engineering done and it's like, is this, so you're is this getting the recorded music as well as live performance? Well, they were supposed to submit live performance videos. And then they also included uh, other additional links. So like their YouTube, their Instagram, their Spotify. And so for some, I would, you know, of course, listen to the live performance and then think, okay, maybe there's something here. Let me go check. Let me go listen to some of their other catalog and then go in and be like, well, this is dope. And then go back and listen, you know, and be like, hey, you know, the live voice is it's not really cutting it. Right. You know, the band is killing it, but the, the yeah. lead is like, yeah. there's issues here. So, yeah. Do they tell you what the criteria are that they're looking for that you're trying to yeah. judge? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there were, there were some that just didn't fit the criteria at all. Not that they weren't good artists and they didn't have good performances. It's just they weren't fitting the, the criteria, right? So this was supposed to be a little bit um it wasn't supposed to be uh, like a hard hard rock showcase so anyone that came in too hard was just automatically um you know eliminated because it just wasn't what the showcase was about so right right yeah so, all right so when is that going to be that's in april that's in april so yeah it might i might actually be not only the listening but um on the on the panel during the showcase as well but you know that's for a few months down the line right okay yeah let's see next month hopefully i don't have a lot usually my law practice slows down in december because it's the holidays but the interesting thing is that i have my cle credits to do and mm. they give you 30 days from your birthday to renew your law license every two years. I guess they figure you'll remember if it's your birthday month or whatever. It just so happens that mine is in December and my birthday is actually the beginning of December. So the yeah. way it works out, I essentially have the month of December to take the CLE credits, right? And renew my license. And it just ends up being a whole lot of videos that you sit and watch, you know, for hours and hours and hours. It's you just spend basically full days watching videos, right? Right. But, I'm looking forward to that, assuming that the law practice can slow down and I can just kind of kick back and watch his videos and not be busy. I think I lucked out in that regard, right? Because if it was a different month, then it might have been during my busy time. But it just so happens right. this is usually my slow time. And so I can spend the last month of the year every two years kind of uh, re-upping or, or updating my law knowledge, right? Because you take these online classes that are supposed to give you updates about recent developments in the practice of law in different di different fields different disciplines right i think there's a lot of ai stuff now that you can learn about and i think they're requiring you to do something about communication skills or, or, or data something something uh, technological about ke maybe keeping your clients data confidential in the digital world you know things things of that nature so you know kind of looking forward to it but i i know having done this a few times now right that it does drag sitting there for days watching these videos you do get tired of so how, by the how end. many hours are required for cle uh, uh cle credits so i don't want to get the wrong number i believe it's 24. wow that's a lot new york CLE. let me might as well look this up because i'm gonna have to do it myself yes that's a lot it is 24 and that's a lot. I mean, even if you do like two hours a day. Oh, no, you don't do two hours a day. That's what I'm saying. You, you spend the whole day, at least for me. You could, right. you know, you could break this up. It doesn't have to be that month. I think most lawyers do tend to wait to the last month. You could, in theory, spend the whole year doing one every couple of weeks or something like that, an hour every few weeks, whatever. But Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's just, I guess because you can do it online and because you only do need that 24, we don't consider it that big of a deal i mean it, it is certainly doable to do in a month hopefully you don't wait to the last week and spend the entire week doing that right but right you know it, it isn't bad the way i tend to do it i try to do at least eight hours in a day this way i can get it done in three days eight hours of watching videos yeah wow yeah that's that's a that's tough yeah but you know it doesn't need to be that if I want to spend a little more day, you know, it's, I guess it's that trade-off, right? Do you want to get it over with quick in terms of the number of days, or do you want to spend your whole month watching videos a few hours a day, right. you know? But, right, right. 
uh, and they have different categories here. Four hours need to be in ethics and professionalism. One mm. hour in diversity, inclusion, and elimination of bias. Mm. One hour in cybersecurity is what I was talking about. Cybersecurity, privacy, and data protection. Mm. And then 18 hours, any category of credits. That's the cool thing about it. Right. You can study whatever interests you. Maybe you're looking to get into a different field. Maybe you try to do different types of cases that you haven't done before. You can watch videos on them and see if you like them. Learn a little bit about it, right? It's like I'm, dipping your toe in the water a little bit. That that interests me. What interests me about that is you mentioned that there had to be uh, a few hours. I, I don't remember the exact number, but in um, elimination of diversity and elimination of bias. One hour. One hour. It just it makes me wonder how. Like it's it sounds good in theory, but when we have this this idea that you can have a conservative lawyer or a liberal <laughs> lawyer, like how do you have a oh. lawyer that's biased one way and then I'll, just I'll tell you I'll tell you this though. I can't speak for everyone, obviously, but thinking back to when I was in law school, there were conservative students in the law school class. And in fact, they even had a club called the Federalist Society. They wouldn't call it the Republican Club. There was a Democratic Club. They didn't want to call it the Republican Club because they were so outnumbered, I guess, and that would maybe be taboo in a law school. So they called it the Federalist Society. That's really what it was. Right. However, if you spoke to those students, they tended to be conservative fiscally, not really socially, right? So they tended to be more, I guess, libertarian, if you wanted to think of it that way. Um, I actually know some of them because I kept up with them on social media who were very much against Trump. I mean, and these were the presidents, people who were running the Federalist Society. They could not stand what the GOP had become, right? They were thinking right. maybe more along the lines of a Mitt Romney Republican or even a Ronald Reagan. I don't know. But, but obviously, they've had their issues, too. So let's not act like they're angels. But they had a more of an old school Republican mentality of we're, we're right. fiscally conservative, responsible, right? But when it came to issues like gay marriage at the time, they really didn't care. They, they were an artly against that. So in my experience, the ones that I saw in law school tended to be pretty open-minded when it came to social issues. I, I wouldn't describe them as bigots. They just were pretty fiscally conservative. Yeah, but we know that there are several out there who are, though. You know, or, Yeah, they exist. They do exist. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. It definitely exists. I mean, you know, what's the, what's the guy, Blum? He's um, the one that uh, went after affirmative action. He's yeah. clearly... Uh, a bigot. Um, I'm sure we could probably put Rudy Giuliani in there as well and all that he's worked with. Right. Um, it's like, are you actually listening in this diversity and inclusion uh, oh. elimination of bias credit class? Yeah, yeah. Well, is it good, therefore, to have that? Maybe it should be more than just the one hour. <laughs> right, right. You need 12 hours of this credit. This year, we're going to imagine It's, it's kind of like when you go to if you're a Catholic, you go to confessional and the priest tells you how many prayers to say or whatever. Imagine right. some kind of board or <laughs> panel that looked at that lawyer's history and said, you know what? You actually need 12 to remedy your bigotry. You right. need to take a lot more than everyone else. Right, right. You know, th those 18 hours of free credits? No, 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 no. <laughs> that's, that's This is all that you're dedicated to now. Give me two Hail Marys and 18 elimination of biases. Yeah. That would be it. Imagine that though, if there was a board that had to like had to uh like assess every lawyer's performance right. over the year to decide what credits they needed. Which Imagine that. Yeah. This is your curriculum. Yeah. This is this is what you have to work on from what you've been doing over the years. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like being on a naughty or nice list, right? Like, <laughs> right. right? Like, oh, I got all these general credits, and your friend opens up like, oh man, I gotta do it, I gotta take all this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But the, the guy who uh, used ChatGPT and submitted that oh, as, yeah. as a brief, like, no, your whole curriculum now is security and privacy. Yeah. 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 You're taking 22 hours of AI. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's crazy. It's yeah. crazy. Now, there are no tests for this. Some people ask me that. Is there a test at the end of it? Right. It's just learning. Just make sure you're you keeping abreast of things. Yeah. The only thing they do is when you're watching the video, every once in a while, they'll stop the video and they'll say, are you still here? And you have 45 seconds or a minute, whatever it is, to say yes, to click yes. So right. it's a very low bar. You could be taking it's like a you. 
anywhere, just clicking yes when the video stops. It's not really testing anything, but at least it, it's that, right? So you can't right. just have a laptop running and go for a jog or something. Right, right, right. Yeah. It's, it's like Netflix. Are you still watching? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Are you still watching? But if you don't answer in time, it just restarts the video from the beginning. <laughs> right, right. So. That would be an interesting platform. I don't know if there is one out there. It's just nothing but CLE videos. Um, and then yeah, then they, they got that. no, yeah. So I've, I'm, I actually you know it's funny. They structured this in a very clever way because I believe when you buy your credits on the site, you always have a few credits remaining at the end mm. because this way, when you go to take your CLE credits next time. You say to yourself, well, I can go to a different company, but why waste the credits? I already have leftover credits from this other right. company. And then you pay for the additional credits that you need, and you're basically using this company forever. But it's a good company. So I do use it, and I think many lawyers do as well. They do. And they structure it in such a way where you'll meet your requirements. Right. That's what's up. So. Yeah, that's what's up. All right. Well, let's get to these topics, I guess. Get to it. Speaking of requirements, right? This is a big one that I think New York drivers need to know about mm. because during the pandemic, when DMV offices were largely closed, right? And they're trying to limit crowds, of course, they enacted a rule where you could renew your driver's license by temporarily self-certifying your vision test requirement, right? However, you were still required to eventually submit the tests. And so now we're looking at 51,000 drivers statewide who are potentially affected by this because they're going to have to submit their vision test. In other words, they're going to have to actually go to the DMV and take their test or submit a, a test report form hmm. to prove location. Um, this applies to everyone who renewed their license between March 1st, 2020 and August 31st, 2021. So it just depends on when your license expired and when you renewed it, right? When you had to renew it. If you couldn't go into the DMV to take that eye test, just be aware that now you are going to be required to take that test. Otherwise, you will be faced with a suspension. And let, let me ask a question real quick. Um, when they renewed their, their license during COVID, were they made aware that they would have to submit a vision test at some point? Yes, it was temporary. Okay. So if they haven't done it yet, then it's kind of on them, it sounds like. <laughs> yeah, the only thing is that that would have been years ago now. We're talking between 2020 and 2021. So people might have forgotten when this would be due by or not, or not known exactly when it had to be done. And right. so hopefully everyone is being reminded by the dmv and given ample time sometimes right. it doesn't always work out that well right i mean i've had issues and many of us i'm sure have, right. have had issues sure, sure. With DMV. so it is something i think we need to be proactive about just keep that in mind you know and i'm sure you probably remember now right if your memory is john okay when i renewed my license last time yeah it was during COVID. And they didn't make me take the vision test if that is you just be aware that you need to take that you know and and maybe if you're not sure you should call the dmv and find out but you know this is a situation where up to fifty-one thousand people can just find their licenses suspended right out of the loop, right and just and it, it is a real pain you know now is there a deadline by, by which they have to do that it's a pain if your license gets suspended because then your insurance gets affected and you have all kinds right. of problems of course you can be arrested for driving without a, a license right. sometimes you might not even know that right so is there a deadline by which they have to to do this yeah i think i had it here um friday friday this, this friday yeah yeah so fifty thousand people are gonna have to try to find a uh, time to or are gonna have to try to find an open schedule to to schedule a vision test by friday well, well hopefully they would have done so already Oh, yeah, a lot of people, tens of thousands of people are about to get their license suspended. <laughs> it says the DMV urges drivers to submit the test by December 1st. Yeah, so that's Friday to avoid ramifications. Wow. Yeah, well, vision centers are about to be stocked up. They're going to have calls <laughs> left and right. 
Well, I mean, I don't know if this could be that bad because it is statewide. We're talking 51,000 people statewide. That's still a lot. There are many DMVs and there are many eye tests at every DMV location, right? They have to go into the DMV or or are independent testers? Okay. Yeah. Well, you should go to the DMV, but there are also state certified locations where you could go and you could send a form into the DMV. It's probably easier if you can make it to the DMV, just go there. Everything that you need is right there as opposed to going to a different place, getting a form and sending it in, right? Yeah. But yeah, that's that's crazy. I'm actually faced with the renewal as well. I've got to renew my driver's license by March. Um, but it appears that I should be able to renew it online, hopefully. If not, that means I have to make another trip to the States to to do so. All right. What about the vision test? Though? Um, well, I've got to that's what I mean. I got to see if that's if that's a part of it or if not. Um, so I know when I first moved, when I first moved to, to New York, um, probably at least half of the time I was there, I still had a Florida driver's license because I was renewing it online. Right. Um, and it was just a simple form. But then you get to a certain point where you can only renew it online a few times before you have to make a, a, a physical yeah. appearance. Yeah. And so yeah. then that's when I'm supposed to, you know, I know not everyone does it, but you are supposed to put your driver's license in that state that you move to within a certain amount of days. Of right. Yeah. Yeah. I just never did it. Um, so yeah, I just never did it. And just, it was just easier to go ahead and renew online. Right. Because right. otherwise you got, you got to go down to the DMV. You got to wait, you got to go yeah. through all that. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. Get a picture taken, all these different things. Yeah. So, but this, you know, um, this, I haven't renewed it before. I've only had it once with with uh, this driver's license. So I hopefully it'll be okay for for at least another renewal or two is, online before I have to go in physically. Is that a Virginia one? Yeah. Okay. See, I had a Virginia license at one point because I stayed in Virginia for a bit, and right. I found their DMV to be much easier and quicker than the New York DMV in general. Mm. In New York, they require all kinds of forms and IDs and proofs and acts of congress mm. right to get anything done in virginia i just went in there 15 minutes later i walked out with licenses i recall it wasn't bad at all you know i don't i don't recall having an issue in new york though oh. it, it doesn't i don't recall it being an issue a pain like just kind of and, and i know mm. you know i've done many things with the new york dmv it's not always bad but Usually it results in at least a few trips. Like you're gonna, you think you're gonna go there and be in and out, and then you you get to the counter and they tell you you needed something else that you didn't have, or what you have is not good enough somehow, or they just changed a rule or something something that you weren't expecting came up. Right? You always go right. there thinking that okay, this this time I got all my ducks in a row. You know, I'm, I'm bulletproof this time, and then you get to the counter. Oh no, you needed this. Like ah, you know, and I just expect now. It's like <laughs> so now. PTSD. So I expect at least two or three trips to the DMV for anything. So now take that experience and multiply that by 50,000 people that have to do it by December 1st. Right. And you're going to have like some serious gridlock at the DMVs across the state. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how, you know, if that actually happens. Like I said, I don't know if these 51,000 drivers didn't already take the ride test because this article says it could affect 51,000 drivers, but I don't know if they're saying 51,000 drivers renewed in that period, or if there are 51,000 drivers who still, as of this article, had not taken right. the vision test, right? Yeah, it's right, possible right, right. that many of them already kind of done. Yeah, they could just be working off the number of how many people renewed at that time period, right? And not not taking into account anything else. So yeah, True, true, it is true. something to be mindful of, right? If you renewed your license during the pandemic, make sure yeah. you you did your revision test. Although here's a little secret too: every DMV that I've been in in New York, they make you read the top line when you yeah. take the eye test, right? Okay. The big eye chart, and it's got I don't know how many lines, seven different lines. It goes from the, the you know the big letters to the small letters on the bottom. They never mm. make you read the small letters. So, well, if you can't don't don't think take you systematically down you first to start with the top one or or if they look every at time, what they're so i can only speak to my experience every time i've been in the dmv and taken the eye test they've said to me read the first line there's always it? The top, yeah that's it there's always the top line the biggest letters 
That's, so, yeah. Someone's not doing their job. Yeah. 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 Well, I don't know, but they're, but they all say that though. Are they not doing a job? Or is that what they told to say? Yeah. I mean, they're supposed to, you read the, okay. You can say, read the top line, but I mean, or they'll look at your, they look at your record and be like, okay, this is what your vision was. Okay. So we'll start there, read that line. And then if you can read that line, then they'll say, okay, read the line below that. If you can't read that, then say, all right, well, this is your vision is still here. Is that why they tell me to read the top line? Because I haven't had problems with my vision before. Um, no, they should be for you. If you haven't had any vision problems or restrictions on there, they should try to go down as far as you can go. <laughs> but then I know the top line. No problem. All right. Uh, try the third line. Okay. No problem. Try the fifth line. No. Yeah, but that's what an eye doctor would say, not the person giving you your vision test at the DMV. Yeah, but they need to know at the DMV what your vision is so that they can put it on your license to know if you are required to wear glasses. Yeah, it's just a pass-fail thing, though, pretty much. Not not really, like, because it, it needs, you need, they need to know if you need to wear glasses when driving. Right. Yeah. Right. But, right. But when they tell you to read that top line, if you can read it, they just say, okay, pass, and then that's it. Yeah, that's 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 a, a weak requirement. <laughs> Listen, this is only my experience. Anyone out there listening in the chat, let me know. Has that been your experience in New York or elsewhere? For me, that's been my experience. I always thought that was kind of funny that they had this big eye chart, but they're always like, read that top big line. That's very, to me, obvious. What it says. Right, right. You would think most people should be able to read that, hopefully. Yeah. yeah. And even if they tell you to take a few steps back, which they'll do, you would just at the counter. You just add right. the, giving your application in, looking at the eye chart, and the top line is very big and in your face. And now they tell you to take, I don't know, six feet back and read that top line. I mean, you could memorize it also. <laughs> right, dude, right. The system isn't really great. Right. So when you walk in, like walk walk in past the, the chart, take note of it, and then memorize a few lines. <laughs> saying that, though, because that might lead to more accidents right if people are all just cheating on their eye test let's try to Some get accurate results here i'm saying maybe the system needs to be reformed yeah. so that we can get better results right absolutely uh, all right well speaking of reform we've got the death penalty on the table for the buffalo mass shooter now right for those who don't know, in New York State, we no longer have the death penalty at the state level. And I can talk about the constitutionality or lack thereof of New York's capital punishment system, why that was taken off the table. But at the federal level, it still is an option with some caveats, right? So the last time there was a federal execution in the U.S., was in 2021 looks like january 16th dustin higgs was executed. right now this date is very significant january 16th 2021 so that's only a few days prior to trump leaving office right mm. since biden has been president there has not been an execution at the federal level in the u.s trump i believe executed is it 13 or 17 i have that up here while he was president, it was somewhere in that ballpark. But there hasn't wow. been any since Biden has been president. And in fact, the Department of Justice back in July of 2021, or to, to be accurate, June 30th of 2021, issued a review of Trump death penalty regulations. And in fact, paused federal executions however the prosecutors are still allowed to pursue capital cases so the director from the attorney general did not stop prosecutors from seeking the death penalty in new cases from pursuing the death penalty in cases in which the trump administration authorized capital prosecution from opposing appeals brought by current federal death row prisoners or from seeking mm. to reinstate death sentences that have been overturned by federal appeals courts. So the lawyers, the prosecutors can still go in there and do what they do, but there's mm. a pause. And as we've seen, the federal government has not actually executed anyone since Biden has been president. It is up right. to 
the Justice Department, right, the Attorney General, to make those calls and those recommendations in court doesn't necessarily mean the executions will go through, but as far as them being prosecuted and being the, them being recommended for the death penalty, that is still a possibility, right? The Department of Justice can still pursue that. And so that is something that is being discussed now for this Buffalo mass shooter, for those who may not know or might have forgotten this was evidently a hate crime, right? It was 10 black people shot at a Buffalo Tops grocery store on May 14th, 2022. The individual is facing life in prison. In fact, he's serving already life in prison after pleading guilty to the New York state charges. Right. That shooting. And so now the question is of the 27 federal counts that he's now facing, including hate crimes, will the death penalty be sought by prosecutors? And so it raises, I think, an interesting question of whether we believe that the death penalty should be enforced at any level for anything, even something as heinous as this. Mm, right. Uh, and I think it's, it's a question that we've wrestled with for, you know, since the, the country's been around, right? right. Um, at some point, it was kind of common, but <laughs> with hangings and, and whatnot, yeah. Uh, as justice um but firing then it squad. did change i'm sorry firing squad <laughs> firing squads all of that things um i believe didn't trump want to bring back firing squad or someone in his administration uh, want to bring back it. yeah huh i wouldn't doubt that the no there was there was somebody there was someone who wanted to who wanted to bring back maybe it was during his presidency someone in, in one of the states wanted to bring it back or someone in his administration it was well, on the last prisoner to be executed at the federal level was killed via lethal injection. Uh, yeah, I think that's the most common, the common place. Um, I believe that's how Timothy McVeigh was killed as well, the Oklahoma City bomber. Right. Um, I, here we go. This was in May, March this year. Um, Idaho lawmakers passed a bill this week seeking to add the state to the list of authorized firing squads, which currently includes Mississippi, Utah, Oklahoma, and South Carolina. So Idaho wants to get in on that action. They want to get in on that action. But are they actually using firing squads or is it just technically still possible but not done anymore? Um that i don't know if they're actually doing it um but it's people are looking for alternatives to lethal injection injections after pharmaceutical companies barred the use of their drugs yes yeah, so i was just gonna say it, it's funny not funny weird lethal injections to me sound like cruel and unusual punishment but firing squad sounds even worse to me um yeah, the some well, but some even some Supreme Court justices, according to this article, view firing squads as less cruel than lethal injections, even though the violence with the the bullets and all of that. Wow. For some reason, they think it's less cruel. I guess they figure you die quicker and less painfully that way. No, you feel those bullets. It's unless they somehow numb you or something. I don't know what they would do. And I can see from maybe from if, if pharmaceutical companies are barring them from using their drugs um, for a variety of reasons, right? I mean, do you want to be known as like the one making this lethal drug, especially if it's a drug that's supposed to be treating something? Mm. Um, you know, your marketing is all screwed up there, you know. Um, so some of the, the companies are saying that um, their drugs were meant to save lives, not take them. Yeah. And so um yeah you know i'm reminded my father and i never spoke politics much at all but the one thing mm -hmm. that he did say to me while he was around which always stuck with me was his thoughts on the death penalty and he always said that if it's illegal for a person to commit murder then it should be illegal for the government to do that to take a life and i agree i agree it does make sense i can tell you this in new york we used to have capital punishment and it was deemed unconstitutional. My understanding of how it went down is jurors in capital cases would be given a choice between the death penalty and life in prison, right? Mm. But the jurors were not able to determine parole. 
that was left to the judge. And so what would end up happening is there would be jurors who preferred life without the possibility of parole, but they couldn't make that determination. And they were afraid that if they voted for life, the judge would then grant them parole and they'd be set free. And so you had jurors voting for the death penalty because they, that was the only way that they could ensure that the person would not be released one day. Mm-hmm. Um, that was deemed unconstitutional because these jurors were voting to send people to their death when they would have preferred them to be locked up in prison for life. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not with the death penalty. I think we should take it off the table. Um, Even for something as heinous as this, you're talking about a mass murder here, uh, hate crimes, right? Killing people because they're black. Yeah, even even in that that instance, so not not I, one. I or, tend to agree with you, and then you know, if you look at the cost, also look at it from a financial perspective, it always costs the government more money to keep them on death row, right? Because to keep them in prison for life. And some people don't understand that. And of course you have people who just are thirsty for that punishment, right? And they'll say, well, I'll just kill right. them immediately. But the justice system doesn't work that way. There are appeals that go on for years and years and years. And I mean, right. you're talking about something as serious as a person's life here. And so you can understand right. why that would not be made hastily, right? Why that does take time and why the justice system does take even longer than usual to play itself out in a case like that. I mean, look at right. Dustin. Higgs, the last federal prisoner to be executed, this crime that he was convicted of took place in what, 96? 96. 96. And And he was executed in 2021. Right. So you're talking, what, 25 years later? Right. And I think, you know, it's, it does cost, it's pretty expensive to house um, one inmate. Uh, I think at certain places they were saying it was like fifty, sixty thousand a year for for just one inmate or something like that. Um, but at the same time, you got to also. I, I want to side with one, the no killing, uh, but two cases where innocent people have fall into this situation, and the chance of executing someone innocent is is really what I'm I'm not for and it's happened we've we've seen it happen multiple times that's a really good point right are you playing life and death with someone right maybe couldn't afford the best lawyer right or yeah the odds are stacked against them for whatever reason you know right why is it that that person should be sent to death whereas the person who had the the better legal defense gets to live right so i'm just not for that at all and I, I agree with your father on the same thing if it you know why is it you know if if it's illegal why is it the government's allowed to do it as well this yeah i'm just not for it there's a book that i read a while back called the death penalty on trial crisis in american justice and it was written by bill curtis mm. and it had some very powerful points in there basically the things that we're discussing, right? But it goes into a lot more detail on mm. it. it makes the case for why there shouldn't be any death penalty at mm. all in the US. And I do agree with that. It is difficult, right? Because there are very heinous crimes that are committed. Oh, absolutely. And absolutely. Then there are people who will say, yeah, I can't believe you wouldn't execute someone like that. What about the case of the terrorists, right? So, someone who bombs a building and kills thousands of people. Would you not? You know, but I think if you're going to be against it, you got to be against it. You can't say, well, except for you or you, you know, right. And it's not about being lenient on someone. It's not about being soft. I don't think. Right. I think it's about being smart, civilized, maybe in a sense, but realizing that we should be beyond that. We should be above that as a society, as a country, as a government. Um, Right. To some, you know, even being executed might be the easy way out. Maybe yeah, being yeah. in prison for the rest of your life is more of a punishment, right? Absolutely. But I think it's about making that smart choice. You know, and I, know, I think about the debate. Who was the candidate at that debate? Was it Dukakis? I think it was Dukakis in 1988. Am I getting that right? Where they asked 
his view on the death penalty because he had said that he opposed it. And they said, well, what if it was your wife? What if your wife was brutally raped and murdered? Would you still be against it? Right. And he answered, yes, I don't believe in a death penalty. I would still be against it. And a lot of people pointed to that as the moment that lost him the election because he wasn't supposed to say that. Um, what was he yeah, supposed he to say? Answered it. Well, I don't think there was an expectation that he would change his position, but maybe that he would answer it with a little bit more emotion. Maybe mm. say, you know, oh, of course I would want to see that person dead, but I still believe as a matter of law, something like that. I think his answer right, right, right. may be a little too dry. He said, no, I'm mm. just against death penalty. And like, oh, you don't care about your wife? But it's also this gotcha game that they play. That is a gotcha game, yeah. You know, where it's like, no, if this is your position, this should be your position, and you should be able to take the emotion out of it and say, no, I don't believe this should be the law, right? Right. I mean, that in that situation, he's kind of, he's stuck, right? Because if he would have changed it, then they would have called him a hypocrite, right? Um, oh, yeah, yeah. No, I don't think he'd be advised yeah. to change his position. I think they wanted him to do some grandstanding or, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Say, I would hunt that guy down myself and, and wrangle his neck. But of course, I was, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. Right, right. Yeah. So, yeah, well, we'll see how this how this plays out yeah yeah although i'm wondering if the federal prosecutors and ultimately the attorney general will seek the death penalty in this case given the disposition right given that they paused executions they're reviewing the trump era capital cases and in fact a major part of this is the discriminatory manner in which capital cases are often pursued that was a big part of the book that i read as well Hmm. Um, granted this book isn't new I read it many years ago but at least at that time they were citing statistics showing that it really came down to the race of the victim not so much the race of the accused killer right mm -hmm. or perpetrator but the victim and so if the victim was white the death mm -hmm. penalty was sought at a much higher rate than if the victim was not white, regardless of you the could, race of the, the accused. You could ask anyone in the black community that, and they would have been able to tell you that. <laughs> right, right. But the wrinkle in it is it isn't necessarily about the defendant, right? And so no, no. a no, white defendant and a black defendant would both be pursued at approximately, according to this book, and again, it's, it's old, old now, but from what they were right. saying, approximately the same rate if the victim is white or if the victim is black, but yeah. go, if you look at who the victim is, that is what, it, you know, dramatically excuses. Sure. Because in America, white lives are, are valued more than others. I mean, it's like, that's what I'm saying. Like you could have asked the same question in, in any black community or any Brown community. And they would have been able to give that. We've been like, yeah, of course, obviously. Like, or, or, what would they ha might have posited that the black defendant or the Brown defendant, would be more likely to receive the death penalty than the white one they would have yes that as well but if the victim is white yeah yeah absolutely they would have been able to say yeah this yeah they're they're obviously going to be given the chair um and if they're black or brown and the victim is white they're going to get less leniency than if the the defendant is is white and the victim is white that doesn't right. mean that you know they're not going to get it but they'd be less likely if they're white and the victim is white Right. And then the media also covers it differently. Absolutely. Right? The media covers it differently. When there's a white defendant, the coverage is much more centered around mental health. Yes. And absolutely. if it's a non-white defendant, it's about thugs and gangsters and, and criminals. And, and what you did in the third grade that led you to this and all of this. And yeah. Right. Yeah. And they start looking at, right, exactly. Oh, yeah, they yeah. have history of smoking marijuana or something like that. Whereas, yeah, white guy yeah. might be puffing weed all day, but it never comes up. Right, right. So now that that bias is, is, yeah, definitely out there. So and that's, you know, I think an important factor to look at when evaluating whether we should have capital punishment in the first place. Absolutely. Absolutely. Again, talking about life and death here, right? And so. Right. You know, it's one thing to yeah, say, well, there should be reforms. We should still have capital punishment, let's say, but reform the system. All right, but in the meantime, people are dying, right? Right. As long as you're doing it. And so. And the potential for innocent people to yeah, die is, yeah. is still there, which is something that we should all be concerned with. Because that's not something that you can ever undo. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, if you put someone in, in prison for 
for you know a number of years and you find out they're innocent yet they've lost those years uh in their life but they are still alive uh but if you execute them it's over it's there's no coming back from that right right yeah. and it is to me barbaric it does strike me as uncivilized for the government to be killing people i don't yeah. know and i'm not talking about war right now that's a whole different discussion i'm specifically talking about executions you know the criminal right. justice system putting people to death right 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 with me that sends the wrong message that sends the message that basically yeah we sanction kill it we're down with it and i know people like to separate it and they like to think of it well but you're not killing people you're killing criminals but you're still yeah. killing you're killing and right. they are people whether we like them or not or think that they deserve good things or freedom or whatever they're still people and absolutely. what message are we putting out with that i think you know absolutely. at the very least we're sanctioning killing right on some level i think that should be the poll question that we uh, go with this week let's do it so the poll question of the week is are there any crimes for which you believe the death penalty is the appropriate punishment mm. yeah We'll see what people have have to say about that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I imagine we're going to get some mixed reactions. <laughs> yeah. Most likely, yeah. And you know, like as I, we do, and that's good. This is why this is called nuance. We want to hear all different points of view. Right. Uh, this topic, I do hear a lot of people say, "Well, just kill them." Like you know, as soon as you find out that they're guilty, kill them. No, don't even let them appeal. Don't even put them right. for a period of time don't wait 25 years don't wait, don't wait 10 years don't wait one year no just kill them. but i don't think that that can be the answer i don't think that's a sensible solution because we no. do have due process and yeah okay they were convicted people still have a right to appeal and again this right. is life and death we're talking about here right it often does go wrong so it isn't a matter of well they were convicted so we know for a fact that they committed murder you know no you, you might not they, they might have been convicted falsely so right. right so there's that and then there's also the idea of okay even if they were guilty do we believe that this is something that state should be or the federal government should be involving itself in you know absolutely so yeah let's okay. see what people say on that one yeah it's always interesting to hear what uh how people respond to the polls uh that we put out there and with that in mind we can go into uh last week's poll yes um and so last week's poll we had we talked about the budget cuts that are coming to new york city where uh mayor adams has said that uh there's going to be a five percent reduction basically across the board with a few exceptions um and so the poll question was are you personally concerned that the proposed budget cuts in new york city will affect your day-to-day -day life in a negative way now uh the poll for some reason on this page didn't show up so don't have the exact poll numbers but we did get uh, a number of comments talking about this maybe that was due to the budget cuts <laughs> yeah right the, the the poll budget was was cut yeah um and and so most of the comments that I'm seeing more were aimed at Adams himself. So saying that, you know, Adams seems to be more of a, a Democrat in name only. Um, so, now, you know. Are people specifying why they're making that claim? Uh, he, well, in this one, he didn't say he didn't specify um he just hoped that the campaign finance scandal would take him down um but i did i did ask him you know if if this is a question what do you propose how do you propose he deals with this cost of the immigration uh, the the migrant crisis and so the response there was that more federal aid of course would be helpful uh and the, though naturally republicans in congress would sabotage that because it hurts blue blue states trying to be humane but taxing the rich is always a good choice so that was another point that was brought taxing up by someone else so what so he's saying do that to make up for the budget cuts right to bring in more revenue um the ultra ultra 
ultra wealthy. And this was reiterated several times throughout the comments. Like one person says that it bothers me that the first thing that comes to mind in, is cutting services and not raising taxes on the obscenely wealthy. So, uh, and another person. Just, though, who's going to raise the taxes? That happens at the federal level and at the state level. There isn't much the city can do when it comes to the tax rates. Uh, when that's and I'm saying this is what was re reiterated. Another person, what should have be done? Uh, what what should have been done numerous times during the '90s and 2000s? Raise taxes both at the city and state level on the ultra wealthy residents and corporations. So it seems to be what most people were um, looking at. Yeah. What if that's unrealistic now? That let's see. They don't have any answers on that. Again, this was more. Now, one person did mention that, um, you know, I guess in some ways they tried to to create more revenue generating mm -hmm. uh, programs. Like uh, they mentioned the congestion pricing, and this person apparently voted for and supported the congestion prices pricing. Um, this person, the commenter on the poll, one of the commenters on the poll. Um, but they're saying that even though that's that out there and they supported that, asking city council to raise taxes would would be a tough sell. The city council doesn't really raise taxes. That happens at the state level and at the federal. Yeah. You know, there's there's a very limited area in which the city can do that. All right. And what well, he, he, he commented on LinkedIn here saying i guess this rules out cultural vanity projects so i'm not sure exactly what that refers to it seems to be some kind of inside comment that they're making that i'm missing i think is there something that the mayor proposed a cultural vanity project cultural vanity project what would that yeah i don't i don't know now this person did did say that he noted that he doesn't think the knee-jerk raise their taxes is viable but also the current situation isn't as severe as it has been in years past so some people um have brought that up that were pushing back on these cuts saying that this you know this is he's overblowing the the, the situation right? right some people will think that but then i have to ask what is their source are they just right saying that because it's their opinion do they have numbers to back that up right there are certainly people out there who will say that he is trying to make it bigger than it is to sound the alarm on this for whatever reason that he thinks suits his agenda but right the numbers if that's the case show us right yeah and I, I would find it hard to see how it would suit his agenda um Unless he thinks he can get more help from the state or from the federal government by by saying that New York needs yeah. to cut everything, yeah, he I don't thinks know. that that'll get the city council more on board if they see that they're losing garbage pickups in their districts and their constituents are complaining to them. I don't know, but uh, apparently, um, yeah, that's that's that was where people were saying. Those were the responses that we got there, and then there was one. Uh, I do remember one from YouTube, actually. We got one there, and their response was that um, they don't really, they're more concerned with the other problems like crime rate, uh, woke laws, activists, and illegal immigration. Well, these budget cuts stem from the migrant crisis largely right yeah so it's not an unrelated issue it's too much right immigration right absolutely you know even so, though obviously there's a difference in perspective as to the legality of these right. models, and that's a you know it's a whole different discussion about seeking asylum being legal but not being able to adjudicate these cases for many years so we don't know how many are legitimate and how many aren't until we can get those hearings done right so so that's where the that's what the responses were all right well i think we need better solutions than yeah raise the taxes on the rich especially if that's beyond the purview of what the city council can really do 
you know, unless I agree that, that everyone should be paying their fair share, including the wealthiest among us, certainly. But that's the cop out answer to me. That doesn't answer well, the question, and it's not really plausible. And it's not something that could be implemented right away, right? Right. I mean, there were you know sixty thousand people in uh, in shelters, like as we speak, uh, over one hundred twenty-five thousand that come in in the past year. He, something to to raise taxes like that that's going to take a little time to to even get into play so right they need that revenue right so yeah they need something that's going to help now and also it doesn't answer the question as to whether you're concerned maybe people from outside right. are weighing in who it doesn't affect but the question really was are you concerned it's going to affect your life not how might we make well, it well right um one one of the guys that i did notice did he said the they live west of the hudson mm. um, and they were kind of concerned particularly regarding education and then talked about how de blasio did kind of well in that area even though he wasn't de blasio's fan but saying that yeah and mildly concerned regarding education he right. said right. but i lived through 1975 we're nowhere near that Okay. Was that when Ford told New York City to drop dead? I think it was. <laughs> By the way, I want to test my sharpness because I'm a little tired right now. Give me a year in American history and I'll see if I can name who the president was. I'm probably going to blow this up and fail in spectacular fashion. Um, 1632. No, a year in American history. Come on, I know that. <laughs> Since it's been a U.S. and we've had presidents. <laughs> okay, 1899. 1899, okay. So that's one year prior to the election of 1900, of course. 1900 election was won by William McKinley. But in 1899, was McKinley president yet? Was that his re-election or was he elected for the first time? I believe that was his re-election. So I believe William McKinley is the answer. William McKinley is the answer, and he was president until his assassination in 1901. Right. Taken over, of course, by Teddy Roosevelt. So, okay. Okay. I'm pretty good. Time. I feel good about myself now. All right. Okay. Okay. Pretty good. You want another one? <laughs> okay. One more. Watch me fail this one. And I'm sure you'll get this one. Okay. Uh, 1932. Ooh, 1932. So, that's certainly around when FDR came in. Um, Let's see. I always, off the top of my head, forget all four FDR elections. I believe the last one would have been 44, and he had four of them that he won. So, so 44, 40, 36, and 32. Okay. And what, what year did you say? 19 what? 1932. Oh, you said 32. Yeah. So FDR won that election, but he wasn't president yet. If, I, if I'm doing this correct, it would have been Herbert Hoover. There you go. That was kind of a trick. That would have been a trick. Because, uh, yeah, he won in 32, but yeah. he wouldn't have taken office until 33. Right. Right. And according to this, he was the first Democrat in 80 years to win by a majority vote. Yeah, because that was the post-Civil War era where Republicans were very popular for a long time. Right. So, yeah. All right. Cool, cool, cool. On the game. Well, I think with that... We can come down to the bottom line. All right. And so, Mike Scala, presidential history guy, what is the bottom line? See, I'm tempted to say now, coming out of that little segment, know your history, lest mm. we be doomed to repeat the mistakes of our past. And... I guess one might ask the question, how does that apply to the other topics we discussed? I'm not sure how that relates to New York drivers possibly facing suspensions, but I think it is important to learn and study these things because history does tend to be cyclical, you know, mm. certainly you could see something like that coming up in the context of capital punishment and perhaps even the migrant crisis, budget cuts. I mean, there's an example. So I mentioned 1975, right? So if we can 
lean back into our history and see what happened there, what the response was, what came from that, that could guide us in the future. Maybe it's a signal that we should be doing some of the same things again if they worked. Maybe it's also a signal that what we did last time didn't work. And if we repeat it, well, we can expect the same results, but let's not do that, right? If you know your history, I think you're less likely to make the same mistakes in the future. Well said, and it's absolutely true. And we should be doing that. I, I agree. Um, it reminds me actually of a, a bar from a, a verse that I did uh, done. Um, and it said, if we teach history in order to learn from the past, then it seems in the present we're presenting the wrong class. Mm. So I think that sounded appropriate for that. So if you are interested in these types of discussions as well, you should be. You should check us out on YouTube at Nuance Show, Instagram as well. And then, of course, podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, all of those places where podcasts are. Uh, come in, leave a comment, take a listen, uh, contradict us, yell at us, um, agree with us, do all of those things. Just get in on the discussion. Yes, absolutely. And we are approaching at some point 100,000 views total on YouTube, right? So that's pretty cool. We should be very close. We should be very close. I would predict within the next week or two, uh, I would imagine. Oh, wow. Okay. So we do need to. But I'm being optimistic. Followers. That would be great. So keep yeah. those views coming. What do they say nowadays? Mash that subscribe button and whatever. Right, right, right. So as always, thank you for tuning in. We've got work to do. And we'll catch you next time.